an Idaho man, uh, David Rush, was visiting an Illinois library, and um, I guess instead of checking out their wide selection of good books, he decided to set a Guinness World Record. Okay, so did he like stack books? Did he like do something crazy like make a book domino thing or something? What do you do? You would think it would be something book related or Illinois related um, But no, he successfully ate 241 corn kernels with a toothpick in three minutes So this Guinness challenge is how many individual kernels of corn can you skewer and eat in three minutes. Why corn? Why three minutes? Guinness only knows. But that's the challenge, and this man is the fastest in the world. Your reaction. My reaction to this? Yes. What are you doing, Guinness? <laughs> For real. <laughs> what are we doing here, Guinness? What's going on? Why? <laughs> are there no other records? being broken that you could go and cover like everyone's just worried about I mean, this is weird was this on the books before or is this the guy that said i'm gonna do this thing and they're like oh that's not in there he broke it is now. he broke the previous record of 236 kernels in three minutes okay but this guy he's he's not a uh he's not a one-trick pony he doesn't just focus on one feet of i don't even know what you'd call this um obsessive compulsive eating tactile exceptionalism i don't know i don't know either but uh he's he's broken other guinness world right in fact last year really yes he's a multiple guinness world record holder yes okay what else has he skewered with a toothpick and eaten really fast <laughs> last year he set a uh, a record at funnily enough another public library um for balancing a pool cue on his forehead for one hour and three minutes and 14 seconds. So he's got the uh, hidden talent thing on lock. <laughs> like anytime, anytime you need an icebreaker, you call up David Rush, Yeah. right? Yeah. Something people may not know about you. It's like, oh, well, I have a very flat forehead. <laughs> and to his credit, he did say it's a ridiculous talent to have. I practice skewering a lot to prepare, along with the size of the plate, spreading out the corn, the best toothpicks to use. There's a lot of thought that goes into breaking a Guinness. You don't just show up with a can of corns and a toothpick, David, okay? There's some, there's some legitimate preparation that goes into this. But one Guinness world record, that's phenomenal. What an achievement. Two, wow, that's rarefied air. He's broken 83 Guinness World Records. Okay, dude, just stop. David Rush cannot be stopped. <laughs> when, you, when he said that he had, like, specific toothpicks, like, he picked out, I imagine, like, halfway through, like, his toothpick breaks, and then the toothpick boy comes out, he hands it to him and says, pick me a winner, Bobby. You think he whittles his own toothpicks? Oh. He doesn't trust these store-bought toothpicks. Um, so, yeah, he's broken 83 Guinness World Records. 40 of which remain unbroken, so so uh, 43 of them were probably pretty easy, <laughs> right, if, they, if they've already been broken. Anyways, he's doing this, he says, uh, his attempts are aimed at promoting STEM education. Uh, uh, huh? And the only, the only thing I can see as to how this promotes STEM education is the fact that he's wearing an MIT pullover. Uh, if you look at the video on YouTube of him eating the corn, he's worried at a pullover. I don't know if he went to MIT or uh, or if he's just a fan of it and a fan of the sciences. And maybe he's maybe he's eating the corn in the science section of the library. Of the library. And that's how you're gonna try to bring this whole thing full circle. <laughs> I think that's what's going on. So, congratulations, David Rush. You are exceptional in at least forty ways, and we can't wait until you break your next Guinness World Record next week. This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only podcast in the known universe featuring a couple of guys, David Henderson and Anthony Montague, Woo-woo! talking about sports and guys who eat corn real fast with toothpicks. I On topic because it's Thanksgiving week. Is that the only reason you chose this story? 
<laughs> I got food on the mind, David. All right. I'm sure there's a better food story out there. Like, did you hear what Al Roker called his food? No. Might want to edit this out. Okay. No, I'm not going to say it. Got it. But he's ca caught some flack for naming his uh, one of his Thanksgiving dishes as something that you probably shouldn't say around the dinner table. Okay. You can look it I'm up. I'm super nervous right now. In fact, don't look it up. In fact, we're going to start over. Okay. We, I, we are actually going to start over. Let's just start over. I'm not going to mention that. Okay. <laughs> Again, not how that works. <laughs> I really do want to start over. Okay. Can we please start over? And... Okay, David. So this guy in Idaho, he <laughs> eats a bunch of don't, corn. No. 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 I'm going to start... Not... Okay. Go back to after the story and I'll start the intro again. Yeah. Isn't that a great story, David? On to you for the open. Just click the computer, go back. Just, and just want me to go? Just say it into the microphone. That's how we talk. I understand that, but I want to start over. And go. No. So are we asking Adam to cut out? This is subjectively correct sports. That's your cue. I'm super confused. Are we just going to power through this? Because I really don't want that stuff on the podcast. Yeah. Yes, what? We're just going to power through that? Woo! Let's go. It's Thanksgiving. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and oddly still on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, give us a five-star review. Shout out to the uh, uh, the fan who sent us an email. I got something for you a little bit later, though. Uh, <laughs> cult. So thanks for that. Uh, we're really not going to erase that stuff? I mean... I didn't want to talk about the Al Roker stuff, but it came out. I regretted it, and then I wanted to go back. I don't even know it. what it is. Is it bad? Well, he, he calls it something that is kind of vulgar. But yeah. Well, that's on him. That's, that's true. Yeah. I just don't want to like point our podcast listeners to something that goes, oh, I'm offended now. Podcast listeners, do not look up anything David says. Yeah, don't look up Al Roker and food. Well, okay. I know it's Thanksgiving, and all of you are going to be doing that. Because when don't. I think of Thanksgiving, the two things I think of are food and Al Roker. I think of Native Americans. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Pilgrims. Yeah. Coming over on the Mayflower. Sure. So you remember before we started how we talked about this it was going to be a short one because it's a holiday week? Yeah. It's been seven and a half minutes and we haven't talked sports at all. Oh, I think you're forgetting David Rush, the phenomenal athlete who's able to stick 243 pieces of corn in his mouth. In, uh, oh, sorry, 241. I was about Next to, week it's going to be 243. I was about to say I don't consider him an athlete, but then I thought of Joey Chestnut and I was like, you know what? Why... why is Joey Chestnut an athlete, and this guy's not? It's true. Basically the same true. thing. So for this for this shortened podcast, we're going to omit David's hot take minute. Sorry, fam. We're going to modify the Fantastic Five. Excited for that. Um, and we're uh, we're only going to have a couple topics, but we promise to make them as mediocre as ever. Mm -hmm. Yep. No surprises here. It's going to be just as mediocre as the previous pods. As One mediocre as cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. That's right. I went there. I've never really loved cranberry sauce. That's my hot take. So do you want Maybe to it's like everyone's hot. Does, okay, please write us if you like cranberry sauce. Yeah, I'm down with that. Also, why is it sauce? It's usually like gelatinous. Because cranberry jelly sounds awful. Yeah. Cranberry sauce sounds passable. Like That'd be like cranberry ice cream. <laughs> kind of has the same vibe as the cranberry jelly. The funny thing is jelly. I like cranberries. But when you gelatinize it, it just doesn't do it for me. Gelatinate. Oh. Gelatinate. Gelatinic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Was he a second baseman for the Phillies or something? <laughs> Gelat uh, uh, my producer just told me to move on. All right. So... Uh, <laughs> NFL Week 12, the thing that I wanted to talk about most was Rams-Chiefs. That game was... It's still going on. I wish. I wish They're every... still scoring points. Yeah. I wish that game... It, it felt like a Madden game with two people that were just like calling all out blitzes every play. Yeah. It was just like touchdown and touchdown right. and touchdown. Right. Oh, it, was, man. it was two 12-year-olds playing Madden. That's what it was. That don't know anything about defense. And just yeah. they're like those two or three plays that always work. Right. And the game was crazy. So it's the first game in NFL history where both teams scored over 50 points. Wow. And it's the third most points scored in a game. And guess what? That game was almost played in Mexico. <laughs> we almost right. gave that game to Mexico City. But we well, were like, nah, we're going to take back our sport and do it in L.A. Did you see that field, instead. though? That it, field would have played more defense than the entire <laughs> game that was played in L.A. It still did. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, zero points scored on that field still. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best field in, in sports. But the field did look pretty bad. And I, I'm glad they made the decision to switch it because it, it was probably unsafe. 
Yeah. But, oh, what a game we had. Also, our, our Mexican neighbors to the south, they would not have known what to do with that much scoring. They're, they're a country that adores soccer, where 3-1 is like... Blowout. It's a blowout, right? 54 to 51. My goodness. It kind of felt like uh, it's one of those things where you're scrolling through like the ESPN app or something, and you're like, oh, is that a college basketball score, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then you're like, oh, no, that's football. Wow. Because you do that with college football sometimes. We're like, Louisville will put up 68, and like the other team will put up 45 or something. They're like, oh, basketball game? Then you realize, yeah. no, that's football. So it's it, the same kind of feeling, but just with the NFL, which never happens. So you see, you see a, a football game, 54-51, you think, wow, Breeze and Rodgers really had it going this week. But, but no, the two quarterbacks in question were for the Rams, Jared Goff, and for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, right? Two, uh, what, 22 and 23, a 22 and a 23-year-old, something like that? I feel old and unsuccessful when I think about how old they are. That's how young they are. Yeah, you remember um, last year when we were talking about how big of a bust is Jared Goff? What changed? Uh, Sean McVay. Sean McVay changed. Yeah. I mean, so he had him last year, and last year he was good. But his rookie year, I don't even know if he really played that much. Uh, it was the last year of, uh, what's his face? They used to coach the Titans. Fisher. Fisher. Jeff Fisher. We need the to. quarterback killer. We need to nullify all Jared Goff's stats while he was playing for Jeff Fisher. It would it would be amazing what happened. But anyway, Sean McVay is right along that vein of those quarterbacks, we, uh, I mean, those coaches that we talked about weeks ago or even months ago on the podcast where we were talking about how much of an impact coaching makes and he was one of those that we were talking about and just look at the career of Jared Goff as a perfect example of an effect a coach and an offensive line can have on a on a on a team's and on a quarterback's performance yeah and he's also got weapons man he's got Gurley you have to respect the run right you've got Brandon Cooks you've got I don't know Cooper Cup who's unfortunately out for the year um but they have weapons on that team and the greatest job in NFL sports has to be Sean McVay's offensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, Sean McVay is running the offense, right? I think he's calling the plays. Yeah, I don't, he is. I don't really know what the offensive coordinator is doing. He's probably like, great, great job, coach. Good job. Good nice call, coach. Just as a yes man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's there to collect his check and he's be like, hype. I agree, Sean. He's his hype man, yeah. His uh, hype man? Yeah. Don't play call. Don't play call. Hit him again. Hit him again. What? So That's the, my hype man. Yeah, the, so the Rams are now 10-1. Uh, having a phenomenal season. Their only loss is to the other juggernaut in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints. And that was at a home. uh, Sorry, that was uh, on the road to the Saints. So the Saints are just awesome at home. They're they're awesome wherever they go, but they're 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 almost unbeatable at home. So I did I did mention that I was worried about the Saints and if they would travel well because that's happened to state teams in the past. That week where I mentioned that on the podcast, they blew out whoever they played. So it's like, yeah, I was like, okay, never mind. They're just great all uh, everywhere. And what Drew Brees is doing at the age 39, super impressed with him at at his age, at his size. Yeah, if if the season ended today, he would have the highest QBR quarterback rating of all time. For a single season. For the highest single season QBR of all time. So he's having an okay season. He's doing all right. Yeah. Uh, in fact, so let's just look at the look at, look at the standings real quick. David, have you looked at the NFL standings recently? Uh, no, not really. I just okay. know that some teams are, are crushing it and everyone else is kind of... Uh... Well, that's good. I, th- I think the AFC is somewhat predictable. You've got Kansas City and Pittsburgh at the top. If the, if the season ended today, they'd get the two buys. Um, and then uh, New England right behind Pittsburgh. They're at 7-3. and three. Houston's winning their division, 7-3. and three. Uh, And then the Chargers... Also seven and three, and then you've got like a six-way tie for that six seed. So it'll all resolve itself in a few weeks. I think some of these other teams will start to separate. Um, the NFC though is interesting to me because you've got the Rams, like we talked about, at ten and one. You've got the Saints at nine and one. Uh, David, who's the three seed? Who do you think is the three seed in the NFC? Saints. Who was the other one? Rams, Saints are one and Rams, two. Rams, Saints, Panthers. No, uh, no, no, not the Pan. No, not the Panthers. They would be the five seed at six oh, and four. That's close. Yeah, five is really close to three. Yep. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Chicago Bears, get out! The They're Chi- winning their division. The Chicago Bears at seven and three. That's right. And uh, they're what? They're two games, game and a half ahead of the. Uh, 
Vikings at five and four, who would be the sixth seed, and the Redskins are sitting in the fourth seed at six and four. And they've suffered a pretty tough break. Oh, yeah. Too soon. Wow. Uh, too soon. Uh, maybe uh, thirty-three years too late. What uh, do you What do you mean? Oh, so okay. What we're talking about? Alex Smith um, broke his tibia and fibula, or maybe it's fibia and tibula. I don't really know. Well, that, uh, I'll ask Colt about that in a second, but after I yell at him. I don't do physiology or anatomy or whatever aspect or whatever whatever branch of science your body is. I've never believed in physiology. I don't believe in studying the stars and predicting the future. I think that's I don't, bogus. You don't believe it exists? Yeah, physiology is bogus. It's yeah, just, you look right. at the stars and it tells you your future, how you should behave this month. It's just it's Yeah, bogus. but if you do have cancer, you should get it treated. Anyway, so so the so the Redskins quarterback Alex Smith broke his uh, broke his leg. J.J. Watt snapped it in half. Sorry for that visual. Uh, and was it J.J. Watt? I don't know. I saw a tweet that it was. Oh well, it has to be. He, the guy's <laughs> supposed to be all about charity and giving back. It seems like a pretty jerk move That's to break someone's rude. leg. Yeah. Pretty rude. Yeah, J.J. Watt's the wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, it was, you, you, if you've paid attention, if you've been on ESPN, if you've been on, on NFL Twitter, uh, you've seen this a million times by now, but it was 33 years to the day that Joe Theismann also broke his right tibia and fibula. And wasn't it Lawrence Taylor who took out his leg? Maybe. So Lawrence so the, Taylor takes out his the, leg. The iconic then, defense, uh, defensive player of the era. Yeah. That's just weird. In 33 years, if your child has an offer to play quarterback for the Viking, uh, for the for the, for the Washingtons, yeah, just say no. Just say no. He likes his legs. He's good. Yeah, he's going to hold out to play for the Buccaneers or something because they always have a need for a quarterback. Unless it's for the backup because yeah. then you're going to get a shot. Exactly. But what if, the ba- what if the starter gets hurt and you end up playing on that day? Yeah. 30, 33 years from the day that these breaks happen. Yeah, it could be a tough break. So I already did that before. I oh, did, did you? Yeah, oh. I did the break joke before. Oh, wow. Okay. I started this whole conversation, which has been amazing, by the way. Thank you. It's going to win a Marconi. Okay. Um, or the podcast equivalent of a Marconi. So, uh, yeah, the Redskins have been having a really good season, 7-3. and three, But uh, Colt McCoy now coming in to... Uh, to lead this team to the playoffs? I don't know. Question mark. The, the thing they do have going for them is that they're in the same division as the Giants, Ugh. Cowboys, uh, and the Eagles. The Eagles. Yeah, they are. Stru- I don't even pay attention to them this year because they're such a non-factor in the, the league. They're so. They're the worst Super Bowl hangover team of all time. I don't know if the stats actually bear that out. Did you see their Super Bowl parade? They might actually still be hungover <laughs> from that parade. Yeah. That parade was insane. So I wouldn't be surprised they're still hungover. But it, it's such a crazy change. And I, don't, I haven't looked into it enough to know for sure what, is, uh, what has caused them to, to struggle so much this year. But they have not played well. Yeah, they're 4-6. They're and six, and they, they lost this last weekend to the Saints, 48-7, to seven, which, uh, which is the biggest loss by a Super Bowl champion defending team in NFL history. So no, no team that won the Super Bowl lost by more points in any game the next year. So it looks like, their, looks like their championship window came and went. Mm. Wow. Tough break. Are we just, what are we doing? I don't Go Move on. Move on. <laughs> uh, what else? What else can we say about football this year? Fantasy football is dumb. That's my... <laughs> That is uh, that is my assessment of fantasy football. I've been a holdout for a long time, and uh, finally joined a league, um, and uh, it's dumb. It's here. Here's why: I scored uh, my team scored I think like a hundred points. Let's see. I'm opening up my app to see. This would be a really good time for me to fill, but I won't. I don't know. I scored like a hundred points last week. Two weeks ago, I scored 200 points, demolished my opponent. Uh, this week, basically the same, had the same roster. I think maybe one receiver change, and scored half as many points. And like, I, I don't know why people think this is so exciting or so fun. It's just frustrating for me because it's so unpredictable. Like you have good players, and uh, if they don't perform well. <laughs> 
you lose. But, like, they could still have a good game. They just didn't get the right kind of stats. The stats that matter. They get you points in fantasy. Now imagine you have a job where this kind of stuff actually matters. <laughs> and you put together this team that's supposed to be great on paper, and they keep losing. Yeah. Now imagine that. Imagine if this if it wasn't fantasy football, if it was actual football, how frustrating that would be. You wanna know what the most frustrating thing is? To be a fantasy owner of Odo Beckham Jr. Because on any other team, he'd he'd be scoring multiple touchdowns a game, one, two hundred yards a game. Unfortunately, the person trying to deliver the ball to him is named Eli Manning. And so he's getting like half of the output that he should be getting. So fantasy, fantasy, it's dumb. I don't know if I'll do it again, ever. I don't know. we got to fix the system. I need to draft some legislation fixing fantasy football. Uh, you're going to draft some legislation for fantasy football? Oh, that's why I went wrong in the first place. Yeah. Can I yell at Colt now? Sure. Dude, your arguments were dumb. So <laughs> Colt, uh, Colt, shout out to Colt Sawyer for uh, for emailing the show. Thank you, man. We appreciate Long-time it. Long-time listeners will remember Colt from our, was it, third episode? It was a long, it was hitting the way he, back Yeah, uh, he told us all about deer antler spray, or maybe that was oh, no, a tangent was, we went it on. It was yak umbilical cord or something? That's right. <laughs> uh, no, he told us about like the, uh, the combine experience, how doctors are there, and why some athletes don't work okay, out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop talking him up. Okay, oh. listen up, Colt. So he says he disagrees with my Aaron Rodgers take. And in order to back that up, he used like a stat that shows that Aaron Rodgers has the highest rating ever. And I was like, okay, so how is that not proving my point? And then he said that Colin Kaepernick is ranked 17th on that same list. And I was like, okay, I didn't make the stat, but Aaron Rodgers is a top in that. And then he talked about how like he's just become like a whiny superstar kind of a thing. Like, okay, fine. And he said that he thought Tom Brady was better. And so I sent Colt a message that said... Now, this is a pretty famous story by this point, but Tom Brady actually said to a coach, if Aaron Rodgers was on this team, meaning the Patriots, he would, quote, throw for 7,000 yards every year. He's so much more talented than me, end quote. So if you don't so do trust you, me... Do you think that's Brady being humble? No. Like, what? it doesn't... It doesn't benefit him to say, I'm better than Aaron Rodgers, because everyone believes it already. Well... The uninformed. Okay. Got, okay, look, this irritates me to no end. Team success does not determine individual talent of a player. And all I'm saying is Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's a better winner. I'm not saying he's a better champion. I'm not saying he's on a better team. I'm not saying he's more accomplished. Tom Brady is obviously more accomplished because he's been on a team that has been more successful. We need to stop equating team success with individual success. Okay, can team success be part of an individual success? I think so, but they shouldn't be all-inclusive, if that makes sense. A perfect example of this this year was uh, the Mets pitcher, uh, DeGrom. DeGrom, DeGrom, who had one of the best seasons a pitcher has had in Major League Baseball history, and he wins the Cy Young and stuff, but his team was awful. They were an afterthought in the league this year. The most exciting thing about them this year was him pitching and Tim Tebow in the double A's every once in a while getting a hit. So Aaron Rodgers not winning a bunch of games and not winning a bunch of Super Bowls doesn't mean he's not a better quarterback than Tom Brady. It just means that Tom Brady's in a better system and situation. That's all that that means. Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback. And if you talk to players, coaches, other quarterbacks, defensive players in the NFL, it doesn't matter who you talk to, who knows the game, who have played the game at the highest level in the NFL, they will tell you that Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback. People might say, I'd rather have Tom Brady on my team because he's, quote, composed and a winner and stuff like that. He's more clutch or whatever. But everyone will tell you Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback. Okay. So if we are just going off, like, objective stats, right? Like QBR, okay? I think most people think QBR is a is an objective stat, right? Uh, Tom Brady has four of the top 20 seasons in QBR history. Aaron Rodgers has two of the top 20. And Tom Brady's highest is higher than... He's got the... Tom Brady has the second highest ever. Uh, and that's counting Drew Brees' current season. So he, he has the highest ever completed season. And Aaron Rodgers has the fourth. Okay. What about, like, overall? What about... Uh overall uh, career 
QBR. I don't think they. I don't think they do it that way. I think it just does a snapshot of a season, and I don't know if there's a way to like oh, so this average is just, it out. This is just this season. No, this is this is the highest seasons of all time. Oh, okay. All Great. right. So, so it shows so... the top fifty seasons. Or sorry, yeah, the top 50 seasons. And so it's like Tom Brady's 2007 season. That's the year he had like Randy Moss, right? Yeah. And they went 19 and 1. He had a he had a an 87 even QBR, right? Aaron Rodgers' best season was 2011 where he had an 83.8. And right? who who was his best receiver that year? Oh, that was uh Jordy Nelson? 2011. Who did he go to? The, that was the year they went to the Super Bowl? Or no. That was uh, that was post Super Bowl, right? but that's the thing. Like we knew right away, Randall Cobb. Yeah, exactly. We knew right away that that Tom Brady had someone like Randy Moss or uh, Gronkowski or something. But Aaron Rodgers is surrounded by mediocre, if not bad, players. He's throwing to a subpar receiving core, and he has coaches that do not call and design good plays, and yet he's still performing at a high level year after year. I'm much more impressed with Aaron Rodgers' talent than I am with Tom Brady's. Tom Brady is a great quarterback. He's one of the best of all time, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm just quoting experts when I say Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback than, than Tom Brady, and Tom Brady said it himself. But, but I think QBR is designed to account for that. It's designed to, it's designed to account for um, it, the, the individual quarterback's performance regardless of the talent around them. Okay. And, and so you're talking about snapshot seasons, but over his entire career, Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I don't... You, you might find some people on Twitter who say this, right? You can find people on Twitter who say anything. That's true. Um, but I don't, I don't even know if Tom Brady's the best. Like, if you're just going based on talent, like Dan Marino, maybe, I think, or John Elway was probably the most talented quarterback, right? I don't know. It's, it's hard to compare eras also. Um, but I think in, in a league where so much of your team success is based on quarterback play, the fact that, that Rogers, and again, understand his, he's not got an ideal situation, but it just, (laughs) I feel like he should be winning more. He just should be like, he should be able, he has, you have the ball in your hand every play, right? You can audible. I don't know. How, did, have you seen any stats on how good it is at audibling? I don't think anybody does that because there's so many dummy audibles and teams keep that so close to the chest. But here's my thing. We just talked about Jared Goff. Now, a couple years ago, he was a bust, and we talked about how you change his uh, offensive line a little bit, you change his coach, and all of a sudden he becomes like an MVP candidate. The same thing is happening to Aaron Rodgers, but just reversed. You have a little bit of talent around him, he wins a Super Bowl. You take away any talent, you, t- you give him a bet. A, a, mediocre if not bad offensive line you give him bad coaching on the offensive end of the ball and the the same thing happens but the major difference between Jared Goff and Aaron Rodgers of course is talent but also he's still performing at a high enough level to put up good stats even with the bad situation okay yeah I mean my thing is you can't say the thing with Jared Goff about how okay we just he just needed to have a better situation and then not give that same that same argument for Aaron Rodgers but just reverse do you know what I mean yeah, I mean, I think there's other things about Goff, too. One, he's, you know, 23, 24 years old, and so, like, he was obviously going to progress. Yeah. Like, he was going to progress regardless of who was his coach. I think it was accelerated because of the situation he was in, uh, but he was going to progress anyways. And, and we digress. Colt, you were wrong, and if you keep want to keep arguing about it, talk to Tom Brady, because Tom Brady agrees with me. I think that's a humble brag by Brady. Magic Johnson said Kobe was the greatest Laker of all time. Magic Johnson said that. I mean, Magic was the greatest Laker of all time. You're changing the argument. Tom Brady said that Aaron (laughs) Rodgers is more talented, and people are still arguing against that. Come on, people. Come on, cult. All right, so this week's Fantastic Five is going to be a little modified. We're not going to do the Fantastic Five headlines of the week. Instead, this is Fantastic Five Thanksgiving edition. So we're going to rank, starting at number five, five to one, the five best Thanksgiving food options. Okay? Five best Thanksgiving food options. Let's, uh, what do you want to do? Alternating? Five, five, four, four? I like, or, I like that. Let's okay. do that. All right. I'll start. At number five, turkey. That seems a little high, but okay. Uh, for me, number five, stuffing. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Four, gravy. 
All right, now, now some people may not have gravy as a separate food item, but I would eat gravy on its own. And that's, and that's the choice I made. I think turkey without the gravy, not so great. Turkey with gravy, 100%. So Mashed potatoes without gravy, ugh. Mashed potatoes with gravy, yes, please. So how come turkey with gravy isn't your number five or your number one? Well, I'm not doing combos. I'm just doing food on their own. Okay, well, that, and, I, and, and turkey on its own is okay. So is that like say is, is that then like saying that okay, one of your favorite desserts is eggs because you put eggs in cake? No, I'm dying. No, because because gravy is kind of a, a finished product in its own. You can combine it with other foods if you like, but you're not altering the nature of the gravy. All right, you can stand for gravy all you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I support you. I support you. Uh, my number four: warm buttery dinner rolls. Nice and soft and fluffy with that buttery flavor. If there's not enough butter flavor to it, you know what you do? Add Put some butter. butter on there. There you go. <laughs> number three, pumpkin pie. Hey, how about that? My number three, pie. Nice. Just pie in general. Yeah, my wife makes amazing pies. So, okay. I mean, it, it's not necessarily pumpkin pie, but she'll make all sorts of different pies for Thanksgiving. And I think tomorrow uh, we're eating Thanksgiving dinner together. So I think we'll have like two or three of her pies tomorrow. So I'm excited for that. Fantastic. Number two, cool whip. Okay. You can't. No. Yes. yes. No. Yes. And that's not, but that's not even like a Thanksgiving food. Cool Whip on something Thanksgiving. Yes. That, that's a Thanksgiving thing. I rarely but- eat Cool Whip except at Thanksgiving and it's usually on my pie, but not always. I will sometimes do a spoonful of Cool Whip and it is delicious. That sounds like a you problem. This is not a problem. Like, no, no. What I mean. This is success. What I mean. It's this not- is what success looks like. Success a looks like a spoonful of, of Cool Whip. Cool Whip. And gravy. Yes. Give me, give me a big ladle of gravy in one hand and a spoonful of cool up in the other, and I am a happy camper. We're going to put that on the uh, Subjectively Correct Twitter feed tomorrow, right? That's great. Let's do it. All right. I'm down. All right. Uh, my number two, candied yams Ugh. with brown sugar <sighs> and marshmallow. Mm, so good. In fact, my, my wife, she's so great. She knows that how much I like the extra brown sugar and marshmallow, so there'll be like a little corner of the dish. That has like, it's like a little fluffier because it's got like a little bit more marshmallow on it, like more brown sugar underneath it. Oh, you're the best, sweetheart. Thank you. It's a wonder I don't put on more weight in our marriage because you're such a great cook. I've been told that um, David talks about his wife a lot and talks about her affectionately on the podcast. And I perhaps am not doing that as much. Um, So I would just like to throw it out there. I have a very happy marriage. Love my wife. You're the best. Can't wait to see you after I record this so that my life can be complete again. You know, what's funny is uh, my wife doesn't really even listen. She pretends to. <laughs> really? But she's like, oh, I'm like a few episodes behind. It's like, oh, what was the last one you, what was the last one you, uh, you listened to? It's like, oh, it was when you guys were talking about like the trades in the middle of the baseball season. <laughs> yeah. So Wait, yeah. so she is living in a world where she doesn't even know about the Swedish Jewel Heist yet? <laughs> she does know about Moose Poop Mary, though. Oh, okay. Uh, I wonder how she's doing. Yeah, I'm sure her crap is just flying off the shelves. Because it's all made of poop. I get it. Number one, my top Thanksgiving food, green bean casserole. Really? I mean, it's, really? your, it's your list. Really? So you can put whatever you want on your list, but your list is wrong. No, my <laughs> list is so right. If... All I had on my plate was green bean casserole. I'd be happy. If I had green bean casserole and some Cool Whip, wow, that's an <laughs> awesome Thanksgiving. You add some pumpkin pie, some gravy, and turkey to that, that is a complete meal. Every day of the week, I would have that. Green bean casserole, it's nutritious. It's a vegetable, but it also has yummy stuff in it. The crunchier, the better. That's like saying a corn dog is a vegetable because you <laughs> dip it in vegetable oil to fry it. Mmm, love my veggies. Cool. Okay, my number one. My number one is the turkey sandwich you eat for lunch on Friday. I considered this. I thought it was against the rules, but I did consider that. But I you agree. Thought cool Whip was okay because I eat it on the day and I eat it as a standalone meal if I have to, and I would be happy to. Uh, but this the after Thanksgiving sandwich technically not a Thanksgiving day. I mean, you could have it later that night, and if that's the case, then sure, I agree. Here's here's my argument. In favor of having the turkey sandwich you eat Friday on this list. Without the turkey on Thanksgiving, you have no post-Thanksgiving turkey sandwich on Friday. So they're all connected. Mm. 
It's always yesterday somewhere in the world. Right? right. Also, also, can we just stop with the light Cool Whip? We don't need that. No, yeah, heavy heavy cream all the way. Right? Yeah. In fact, the thicker, the sugarier, the, the creamier, the better. So get that light stuff out of my life. I don't want the light Cool Whip anywhere near my house. In fact, when I see it on the store, I consider taking them all and like putting them somewhere where they'll go bad mm-hmm. just to rid the world of the light Cool Whip. Yeah. Also, light ranch. Same principle. Yeah. Get that out of my life. Light light in general is bad. If it's lighter, that means there's probably fewer calories, which is a bad thing. Yes, the good stuff costs that means calories. The that's flavor what, goes away. Yes, that's why is it so obvious to everybody except for the people trying to sell us stuff that we eat? So to recap, the best Thanksgiving food is green bean casserole, followed closely by Cool Whip. I am speechless right now. And those are your fantastic five Thanksgiving foods of the week. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Show's not over, but I just felt like I needed to say it right here since we're on topic. Yeah, that was a little misleading. There's a lot to be thankful for in the world, depending on where you live. So our listeners in, I don't know, some war-torn country... You said you, I hope, you don't have I to hope hedge your everything. lives get better. You don't have to hedge everything. If you live in the United States, building a wall of protection around himself. So um, nothing comes back to <laughs> Anyways, back to we're all alive. We're all listening. We have a lot to be thankful for. <sighs> Can we end this segment now, please? Dun, 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 dun. It took Jimmy Butler all of like a game and a half to make that trade seem like it was a good idea. Yeah, I don't know uh, I don't know if it ever seemed like a bad idea, but well what I what I meant is for the trade to pay off. Yeah. Right? So he uh game's tied. They're down on a defensive end. He gets a block. It's going out of bounds. He throws it over his head to his guys and saves it. And then on the other end, he hits the dagger three-pointer to win the game for the Phillies. It was pretty amazing. So uh, Butler 76ers. to 76ers, what did I say? The Phillies. Well, they're all from the same town. That's true. Uh, now I just want to talk about Gritty. <laughs> wonder what he's doing for Thanksgiving. Did you invite him? No, he's probably terrorizing several neighborhoods in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. That Gritty. <laughs> Going home to home. Yeah, that's right. Eating turkey like locusts. Apparently him and the Philadelphia fanatic are friends now. I mean, I thought that was kind of obvious. But I think what needs to happen is Gritty needs to turn on the Philadelphia fanatic and like during a game next season, Gritty needs to come out and like whack him with a hockey stick, drag him off the field and take his spot and become the mascot for both the Phillies and the Flyers. You with me? I sense you're with me. Yeah, I'm so with you. Were you listening? Okay, why don't you tell the people what you were doing instead of listening to me? I was reading. Yes, I meant read that. What were you reading about? What we're going to talk about next. Yeah, so talk about it now. Okay, now I'm going to talk about what we're going to talk about next. And I'll begin now. What? So, other stuff happening in the NBA. Uh, Kevin Durant was fined $25,000 because the Warriors just like to give away money. That's what they do these days. I mean, they have enough. They give away wins and they give away money. That's right. They don't need them. Um, so, during a, uh, a recent loss to the Mavs... Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> The yeah. surprisingly good Rams. Did I say Rams? You did. Mavs. So, Steph is still out. Steph is hurt. Yeah. And so I think we're seeing how important Steph is to the, su- the success of this team. And he's out. Muy importante. Uh, for you Portuguese listeners, that means very important. Muito. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Steph Curry out. The Warriors are in free fall. <laughs> 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 Oh, oh, yeah, it's November. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so there was a fan heckling Kevin Durant. and let me <gasps> Wait, a fan was heckling at a sporting event? I know. Let me paraphrase uh, Kevin Durant. Please, kind sir, won't you sit down and respectfully watch the game and uh, not talk anymore. Thank you, kind gentleman. Do yourself a favor and look up the actual quote. <laughs> and there's lots of bleeps in there. Essentially, watch the bleep game and and be quiet but in a much more vulgar way uh and so he was fine by the league and it's not like he yelled it while he was at center court he like walked up to the baseline where this fan was sitting yeah was like pointing at the guy and yelling at him 
Yeah. So um, I think it's you know it's a, an appropriate response. You I say think it is an I think appropriate it or is, an I think it is response. the right response by the NBA okay. to fa- fine Kevin Durant. I thought you were saying Kevin Durant's response was appropriate, and I was like, oh okay. No, no. My my take is that um, I mean whether or not it was appropriate. I, I if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm not saying I don't do the same thing. I probably don't use the same language, but um, I, you know if I'm an athlete and. Um, I'm having a bad night, or my team's having a bad night. I could see once in a while yelling back at a fan, right? I I probably would choose my words more carefully, um, but I think the I think the NBA's response is is appropriate. It's right to find Kevin Durant. You you want to be this is the same league that had the malice in the palace, right? And I think that's going to influence um, their decisions with respect to player fan interaction um for the rest of its history uh, at least the rest of its foreseeable history uh, you can't you can't allow players to even get close to something like that again where players are fighting fans but isn't the league siding with the fan in this case basically i mean the fan can still go to games the fan isn't punished at all for this interaction but kevin durant loses 25 grand and he gets punished well, by the league. And isn't this just giving other fans basically a signal saying, no, it's okay to say whatever you want to these players. But when it comes right down to it, the fan is in the wrong. The fan, I mean, these players hear verbal abuse all the time. All the time they get it. And while some people say Kevin Durant's a little softer than most be it with his burner Twitter accounts and stuff like that, he hears it all the time and he doesn't respond. So the stuff that this guy was saying must have really gotten under Kevin Durant's skin. And it must have been repetitive. It must have been over and over again digging at Kevin Durant mm. to, to get this reaction out of him. Well, and Katie's kind of notoriously thin-skinned. At, at least with, like, reporter criticism and things like that. He tends to snap back at reporters. Right, and, but at the same time, he hasn't gone. Up, he hasn't had an incident like this at a game. Yeah. But we're just going to give this fan a pass and say, no, it's okay to say whatever you want to these players, even if it's vulgar and even if it's bad and even if it's unfair well i i guess what what is the league or the the mavs what are they to do like do you set a precedent that if you speak negatively about one of the opposing players or any player that you're not allowed to attend the game like that would mean on any given night 80 percent of the fans do not get to go back to the stadium true um is there certain words you just can't say or certain actions you can't you can't take or or hand hand gestures you can't make. Well, and I understand that this is a slippery slope, yeah. and it's Im- almost impossible to police this sort of thing. It really is because you have thousands of people there. There's a ton of noise. You cannot possibly have the manpower to babysit all of those people that are within yelling distance of these players. But at the same time, we should hold fans responsible for their behaviors the same we hold these players. These fans are grown adults too. They should act like grown adults. And yes, you can heckle opposing players. I mean, heaven knows. I gave uh, I gave Robin Lopez a hard time when he was playing in Salt Lake one time. Whoa! He deserved it. He deserved it. He flopped real bad. My wife is still embarrassed by this. His uh, body or his hair? Get it? Because he's got really floppy hair. Yeah, I got it. It just wasn't funny. Whoa! Yeah, he flopped, and I yelled at him that he was gonna get a uh, a fine notice from the league the next day or something like that. And then the guy next to me, we we double teamed it, we tag teamed it. He yelled, "They'd rather have your brother." So we high-fived, and our, and our um, my wife and I think his girlfriend were embarrassed, but we became fast friends. Yeah. Ask me his name. What's his name? I don't know. We weren't that fast friends. Okay. But what I'm saying is there should be a line drawn, and I'm not saying that the NBA and, and individual teams and arenas need to start policing this, but I think fans should be able to police themselves. These people going to these games oh. are grown adults that should behave like grown adults. And yes, heckle the other players. That's fine. Distract them. Throw chickens. Throw rubber chickens up behind the backboard where they're shooting free throws. All that stuff. That's great. But don't shout obscenities at players over and over again and call them vulgar names throughout the course of the game. You know what I mean? Like, be an adult watching a, a game. Yeah, I I, uh, I think I agree with you. I think that the, the arenas and the league trying to take any action against the fans is just... Um, a mistake uh, because it's impossible to to really police it. Um, I think to the extent a fan makes contact or throws something onto the uh, the field of play or something like that, then yes, they should 
you know, depending on the, the offense, potentially be barred from the stadium forever. I think this happened in New England recently uh, where a player was uh, – Someone threw alcohol on a player, and that fan was uh, was kicked out of Gillette Stadium and, and wasn't welcome back, uh, I think, forever. So things like that, sure, they should police. And, um, you know, I think if you're a fan, I've had this happen more than once where someone sitting around me was so vulgar to the point where I actually looked at them and said, asked them to stop. Um, it did not turn out very well. <laughs> like, it, it, did not, it did not lead to them... Uh, to stop stop what they were doing and in fact it led to more uh confrontation and, and contention but um yeah i don't i don't know what you can do i think i agree you just you should everyone should be an adult enjoy the game but uh at at the end of the day remember that this is just a game it's sports this is entertainment and we get emotional about it we're fans but um but like your your worst character should not be coming out because your team is down. Right? Yeah, and just because you bought a ticket doesn't give you the right to say anything you want and do anything you want. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember one story you told. You were with your you were with my sister, your wife, and were any of your kids at the game where you were had you had Lakers gear on and you had a Lakers uh, game no, at an opposing we, arena. No, we didn't have we didn't have kids yet. Yeah. Okay, but. Was that the situation you're talking yeah. about? Or is it a different time? Yeah, and, and no, a few, oh yeah, few, few different times. But yeah, that 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 one definitely. Yeah, there were some some fans. We were we were representing the visiting team, and some fans of the home team started yelling obscenities at us. And so, you know, I turned around. And my brother, who was with me as well, turned around, and we started jawing at the other people. I mean, we asked them to stop, but they kept it up. Anyways, it was kind of a just a bad experience. Left me with a bad taste in my mouth for that 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 fan base even though i knew i know that that person was not representative of the fan base except but. other uh, nba players have come out and said that that fan base is kind of a rough one to play yeah. at so i don't know should, so should we call anyways, this fa- should we call this fan base out sure yeah jazz fans come on jazz fans it's like so i am a closet jazz fan I've, I've said this on the podcast before when the jazz do well i get excited because when i remember being a little kid and the closest team to where i lived was the Utah Jazz. And so Stockton, Malone, when I was growing up, those are the guys I watched. Greg Ostertag. <laughs> Can't get enough of Greg Ostertag. All seven feet of them, right? He, he should have shot more threes. Yeah, they would have well, won so many more championships if he shot threes. But, but Hornacek. Jeff Hornacek, yep. But they, uh, where was I going? I got I got I distracted know. in the nostalgia of the You like the team. Jazz teams. Yeah, yeah. You're a fan. Closet fan there. But... I'm pretty disgusted at the behavior of some fans of that team. Yeah, same same, uh, same arena where uh, Russell Westbrook slapped the phone out of fan, right? fans uh, who was stuck the phone in his face. Uh, anyways, I mean, I know a lot of Jazz fans who are great people, and uh, they would never act that way at a game. And so, you, unfortunately, it only takes a few, a few, few bad actors to for for a fan base to get a bad reputation, and so. Um. Yeah, let's all just be better, right? Happy Thanksgiving. Good things are happening in the NBA, though. One awesome story so far this year is Kemba Walker. Uh, as of right now, I think he's the best point guard in the East. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else might might be in contention for that that crown. Well, the normal contenders would be uh, Mario Chalmers, but I think he's retired. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. But you. <laughs> <laughs> I really like my own joke there. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna laugh, I'm gonna give myself some credit there, but uh, uh, Kyle Lowry, who isn't outperforming Kimba Walker right now, yeah, uh, Kyrie Irving, who is not outperforming Kimba Walker right now, Ben Simmons, who is not outperforming Kimba Walker right now. Yeah, I think Matthew Delvadova. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm proud yeah. of that one too. No, yeah, it's got to be Kimba. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and he's having an awesome year, at least offensively. He'll always struggle a bit defensively because he's six feet tall. And, um, yeah, you just, if you don't have the length, you, it's, it's hard to be a, a great defender. But he more than makes up for it on the offensive end. Just in the past two games, he scored 103 points. <laughs> 60, like 61 points or 62 points the other night. And then followed it up with a 41-point game. And, I mean, he's he's on an offensive tear right now. Um, I hope he keeps it up because the East is, um, other than a couple of teams at the top, it's kind of boring. And so 
the more good the more good teams, good players that you have in the East, the more balance in the league, the better off the league will be. So uh, free Kemba. Hopefully, you know, I I hate to like say move him to a situation where where he can. Uh, be on a winning team or a team that's in contention, but but that would mean moving them to the West, and I don't want that to happen because there's just too much talent in the West as it is. We need players being moving to the East. We need more Jimmy Butler situations. Right. Well, I can't I can't think of a team in the East right now that would become a serious contender if you added a, a good point guard like Kemba Walker. You know what I mean? I feel like the teams yeah. that are contenders right now wouldn't benefit from having him because they already have a decent point guard situation. And he can't play any other position. He won't. He can't play two or three for you because of his yeah. size. Yeah, he's too small. But I don't know of any team that would benefit from having him on the team. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And one thing to cover, one thing I'm thankful for this year, David, are the Cavs and Cavs mismanagement. Because, because of Cavs mismanagement, LeBron James plays for the Lakers. Yeah, boy, you're not kidding. So the Cavs have had an interesting year, an interesting year and a half. Um... First of all, update on their current roster. It looks like J.R. Smith is uh, is not playing for them. He wasn't really playing last year either, right? I mean, well, anyone he kind of took off the finals, yeah. especially that last. Uh, and I might be the few only seconds right, in the first game. I might be the only person saying this, but are we sure he didn't have money on that game? <laughs> breaking, breaking. We're breaking news. I on think the we're objectively correct sports. I think this is called breaking. Podcast? Yeah, I think this is called breaking a rumor. Okay. Or breaking a conspiracy theory. But a professional athlete forgetting the score of a game when he has the ball in his hands, an opportunity to win it? I don't know. We might have a Shoeless Joe situation here. Mm. Um, was he drug tested after the game? That's my question. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, Jarrett Smith, not really with the team anymore. Still under contract, but not playing. Kevin Love, what is he, out for the year? He's out for the year, and I think, I think J.R. Smith is not with the team because he said basically in an interview that the purpose for this year for the Cavs is not to win games. The purpose is to develop young talent and get a high draft pick. So he's basically saying the Cavs are tanking and the Cavs didn't love that. And I think they're trying to part ways with him, which I feel, and JR's fine with that, right? But this mismanagement is just so rampant in the Cavs organization that, like Anthony said, it led to the departure of LeBron James. LeBron James loved the city of Cleveland. He loved his hometown, and he wanted to do... He did everything he could to bring a championship to his hometown, and he did it. And he may have stayed longer if it wasn't for some mismanagement that took place before. So, James uh, gave an interview to The Athletic uh, with Joe Varden of The Athletic, and some interesting things came out of this interview um he joe asked him about the Kyrie irving trade and lebron said that he was against the trade from the beginning right he, he didn't want Kyrie irving irving trade away i mean he knew Kyrie was a little was disgruntled i think he wanted to be the the leader of a team and wasn't going to have that with with lebron james on the team and so he wanted to be traded but lebron knew that his best chance at winning a championship was to have Kyrie irving on the team and knew that they couldn't get anything in return for him, especially from the Celtics that would approximate Irving's talent. Isaiah Thomas had just come off a really good year, but peak Kyrie is, is always going to beat peak Isaiah. And that was like monster peak Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah just really outperformed. There was a trade on the table, essentially Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas, plus some, some lesser players and picks. And uh, LeBron James was on the phone with Kobe Altman, GM of the Cavs, newly minted GM of the Cavs, replacing David Griffin, who LeBron really liked and who had a lot of control over the team and their personnel decisions. David Griffin, who was the owner, didn't really involve himself much in those decisions. But he fired David Griffin, hired Kobe Altman, and Kobe Altman was talking to LeBron James the day the, uh, the trade was presented to them. And uh, LeBron said, don't make the trade. Don't do it. And Altman assured him that he wouldn't make the trade. Um, The story goes, 10 minutes later, news broke that the Celtics and the Cavs agreed to a trade. Sending away Kyrie Irving, their young MVP caliber point guard, 
uh, for Isaiah Thomas, who, like we said, had a great year, but left the postseason with a hip injury and would play all of like 12 or 16 games for the Cavs the next year. And LeBron went on to say, um, <laughs> you realize at that point in time, take nothing from Kobe because Kobe was just named GM, but at that point you realize that Kobe's not the only one running the team uh, as former GM David Griffin had done, and that's just why Griff was let go pretty much. He went on to say that um, this was the beginning of the end for him and the Cavs. And so he basically played all season knowing he was going to leave. I don't think he had any more trust in the front office. Um I think he was okay with what they did throughout the year, bringing in some players, but it just it 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 wasn't it wasn't ever going to be the same without Kyrie. They didn't have the talent to match up with Golden State, and so. Um, and, and with all that going on, the best player of all time leads his team into the finals and actually gives his team a chance to win Game One. Yeah, I mean that's just incredible. <laughs> so. If you're ever lucky enough to have the best player in the sport on your team, and they, I know you can't let the players run the team, but in the rare situation where you have the absolute best player, and you have another top 10 player, and the best player says, don't trade the other top 10 player, you should probably just listen to them, especially when that team had won the finals, and what, the year before? Was it the year before? Two two years before, and had been to the finals three straight times. Like, yeah, probably just run back that same team and see what you get, right? Um, but the Cavs, yeah, they they didn't listen to LeBron, and they lost LeBron. Whether he would have stayed or not, who knows? Maybe the the rift between Kyrie and LeBron gets even greater, and 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 they end up doing a trade mid season. Who knows, right? But but. You knew what you had with Kyrie, and um, you traded him for a guy with a bad hip who played like less than twenty games for you. So, I mean, one of one of the all time disastrous moves by a GM, in my opinion. Honestly, I don't fault LeBron James for wanting to get out of that situation, and I feel like he, while he might not be as successful with the Lakers right away, he'll be happier. Who wouldn't be happy in purple and gold? Shaq. Very exciting. I found the news story to close the show out today. I found it. I sent it to Anthony. He chose it. It's pretty, uh, pretty uh, proud moment for me. And listeners, if you want to do the same, send us some emails with your uh, weird news stories you come across, and they might end up on the show. And if they do, we'll give you a shout out. And if we ever create merch, maybe we'll send you some merch. Merch. Get your merch. Merch. Um, That's a merchandise. Oh, yeah. So, so, and this story is very on brand for our podcast. So, what is uh, that? this says something about <laughs> us and our quote brand, unquote. But anyway, go ahead. Um, so, the Coast Guard recently caught a sea turtle with $53 million uh, of cocaine. Poor turtle. <laughs> I feel so bad for this turtle. Okay, okay, go read. Sorry. No, so um, this ancient sea monster smuggler uh, <laughs> was get, was carrying um, a bunch of uh, uh, basically packages of cocaine tethered together with rope. He got caught in the rope. So a f- unfortunate, like traumatic event, I'm sure, for the sea turtle to be caught in this rope. They, uh, the Coast Guard was just kind of, you know, doing its job, patrolling the coast, and they came along it. They didn't know what it was at first until they opened the boxes and found out it was cocaine, um, like 1,800 pounds of it. My gosh. Uh, and, uh, and I don't think they know exactly where it came from. Perhaps it was dropped in the, in the ocean and meant to be picked up by someone who, who never got to it. They're, they're still investigating where it came it, from. It could have been a smuggler that dumped it when the Coast Guard came around, like Han Solo dumping a, a ship in a spice when the Empire comes around. Yeah, exactly. Um, they did not hold the sea turtle for questioning, which seems like a mistake. I mean, he was surrounded by cocaine. You got to hold that guy for at least a day and ask him some questions. Yeah, but all I can say is our, I think our cocaine smugglers are getting worse. Our drug smugglers, they're less creative. Attaching it to a slow-moving sea creature, not ideal. Maybe a dolphin. 
right? Maybe a manatee, you could tuck it underneath. Manatee would be able to hide the pounds and pounds of cocaine a little better. Yeah, um, but the sea turtle just wants to have fun, surf around, ride the streams. Um, not really a good transporter of illegal drugs. On a side note, I, I watched the, the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles CG live action movie. Okay. It's uh, not great. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, the first one was okay. Yeah. Second one, not that good. Which yeah. is unfortunate because one of my favorite actors is in there. Okay. Raphael, the turtle. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Stephen Amell, the guy who plays Arrow. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he plays Casey Jones. Oh, wow. At one point, he uh, oh, he's a hockey player, right? We're really talking about this. He, uh, yes, yeah. we are. So he's a hockey player, right? He, he kicks the wheels off of an office chair okay. and tapes them to his feet. Okay. So he can hockey skate around. Oh boy! Around the giant mutated boar and the giant mutated rhinoceros, Bebop yeah. and Rocksteady, right? But it's pretty clear if you watch super carefully or not carefully at all. Like I was not watching that carefully, but you can see he's actually wearing rollerblades later for later shots. Wow! So they uh, they even messed up the continuity in a cartoon. Fantastic. So so our turtle related stories are somewhat disappointing this week. Sort of. Yeah. So I'm still grateful that we have turtles in this world. Me too. I feel bad for this particular turtle knowing now that he was caught up in the rope. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's sad to see a majestic creature caught up in the drug game. No? No? I got nothing. <laughs> There's nothing to, There's, I, that I, was the perfect ending. You, you don't need anything. That was the perfect way to end the show. Maybe maybe before the Ninja Turtle stuff would have been a better time to end it. Is anyone still listening? I think maybe after the open was the right time to end it. Are you saying the open was good enough to end after the open? I would disagree. It's hard to beat 241 kernels of corn That's in true. three minutes. <laughs> it's clearly difficult because he's, no one's beaten them yet. Wait until, whole... wait until next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>